We roll on with Ion Houston here on Intercom Radio Houston, a program broadcast across all our different entities here in the market. And we're glad you're with us this morning as we talk about something that's a very worthy cause and a very uh, great organization in our community called Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services. First, let me tell you, my name is Rich Lord. I'm with Sports Radio 610, normally the purview of my airtime is sports talk, but uh, we're heading in a little bit of a different direction today, which is great because of this organization is one you need to know about, Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services. And joining me in studio, studio to talk about the great work they do is Michelle Hovker, their Program Director of Foster Care and Adoption here in Houston, along with Lisa Johnson, Development, Offer, uh, Development Officer for the Houston region. Ladies, thank you so much for giving us some time today. How are both of you? We are doing great. Thanks for having us. I've read that the organization, Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services, has been around since 1903. That's an incredible legacy. Absolutely, it is. Um, But we do trace our roots back to 1903 when the first Presbyterian Church of Dallas opened a home for orphan children. Um, Since then, in 1905, we actually received a plot of land in Itasca, which is um, where Peaches's oldest continually operating campus remains today. Uh, since then, um, ultimately in 1916, another organization in Texas established an orphanage and school, and in 1960, it became Presbyterian Children's Services. Then in 2002, First Presbyterian Church of Dallas and Presbyterian Children's Services merged, and that's when we became Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services. Uh, and then in 2018, we expanded a little bit further and Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services merged with Presbyterian Home for Children in Missouri. So um, since 1903, we have grown uh, and we are now offering 12 programs throughout Texas, Louisiana and Missouri. And we're here to talk about some of those programs because there's obviously a need and I don't want to oversimplify it, but. It feels like in learning about your organization that your main mission is to assist people involved in situations that may result in adoption or foster care situations, whether it's pregnant moms, whether it's the kids themselves, whether it's the families of those pregnant moms, that you guys do some real all-encompassing work. So, Michelle, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, exactly what the mission is over there. Sure. So our mission is to provide Christ-centered care and support to children and families who are in need. And so you've just listed a bunch of ways that we can help our community. Um, we do have a maternity and adoption program. Um, maternity services is really um, there to help women with unplanned pregnancies um, and who are considering adoption to receive some counseling uh, towards that decision. And so we have uh, many, many families who are waiting in that program who are ready to conduct an open adoption with women who voluntarily place. So we hear the term voluntary adoption. These are women who voluntarily relinquish. Um, we also work closely and under contract with the Department of Family and Protective Services, which we also know is known as CPS, to provide children who are in foster care, um, traditional foster homes, but even homes who are foster to adoption motivated. And so that is a large um, segment of the popula- population we serve within our organization. You made a point there about voluntarily offering their children for adoption, some of these women. And I, kn- I know that's an important point for you. Mm-hmm. Tell, the t- tell the story briefly about the New York Times article and the language that's sometimes used and the way some of these people involved in these situations are, 
characterized not in the best possible way. Right. And so related to that, um, so people kind of understand, there was a New York Times article that was posted. And I believe that the media and that we um, should also be really careful about the language you use in adoption. And so the typical language has been when a woman voluntarily relinquishes her right, the term given up for adoption or placed, um, you know, given up for adoption has been used. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't have a great connotation to it. You know, nobody gives up. What they do is they make a really difficult decision to voluntarily place their child in a very selfless manner, um, you know, one in which there's a lot of grief involved, but so that their child has other and better opportunities at life. And so we have to make that language shift away from giving up to making an adoption plan. We should mention on social media, Facebook or Twitter, you can find out more about Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services at at P-C-H-A-S-W-A-Y. That's the uh, uh, social media handle. And also on the web at pchas.org. We'll mention that again. But obviously, you guys have been doing some great work. And Christ-centered care and support to children and families in need is also something I read and Lisa, for mm-hmm. people listening, wondering, because obviously we're a city with people of so many different faiths and backgrounds, do you have to be a Christian? Do you have to be a Presbyterian to take advantage of these services? Absolutely not. We um, we are faith based Christian organization, and we just we strive to serve like Jesus, and that means helping any client that comes and needs our help. I mean, we're our vision really states that we meet our clients where they are, treat them with respect. We focus on our clients' strengths rather than their problems. And we encourage our clients to focus on their future rather than their past. So we are very willing to help anyone who comes to us. And, Michelle, you, you mentioned in kind of the overview you gave uh, uh, young women pregnant mm-hmm. who are facing a big decision and, and what they need to do and what direction they need to go. Can you talk specifically about some of the resources that are available to women and their families in that situation? Sure. So we provide counseling to help them make a decision as to whether or not they're going to parent their child or whether they're going to place an adoption. But during that time period, we are able to offer financial assistance in different ways based on um, their financial need. And so we do an evaluation. Um, once again, we provide um, that really specific um, counseling regarding making the decision and, and what they feel is best because it's a decision they live with for the rest of their lives. Um, we will assist them with um, seeking medical care and just really um, ultimately want them to feel good about what they do as far as their permanent plan is concerned. And one thing that caught my attention uh, for the women in these situations that, that you're, you're assisting that there's an option in the program for these women to have a lifelong relationship with their biological child and the child's adoptive parents. That's correct. And so we call that openness and adoption. And openness can look like a lot of things, but it really starts with relationship that we hope that they start to grow and nurture prior to the child being born um, and then sort of grow into that relationship over the years. And so that could be continued annual visits or perhaps they just want to do pictures and letters through the mail. Um, and nowadays with more social media type stuff, you know, they may decide to set up accounts so that the birth parent always knows how the child is doing. Um, the adoptive family 
really grows in their relationship and their love and admiration for the birth parent. So they want to know that she's doing well and the birth father as well. And then that way the child always really understands where they came from. There's no secret around it. There's no sort of all these questions. They just kind of are raised knowing their past. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. There, there. In the past, there's been some shame associated with with these dynamics, and this is a, a real reversal of that dynamic. Absolutely. And so, in the past, adoptions were very closed and kind of secret, and maybe a little taboo. Mm-hmm. And so, you can imagine what that might do to a child who was raised in an adoption. There's just a lot of um, kind of wondering where I come from, but maybe they're not comfortable asking those questions because of, you know, everybody's opinions on it. And so we've made a huge shift, which has been um, just really a lot more healthy that we've that we've seen um, because we also offer post adoption services. And so these are adult adoptees who were placed in closed adoptions who are now doing searches and reunions and seeking out birth family. Um, our kids we currently place don't have to go through that whole process because the answers are there from the beginning. That's Michelle Hovker, the program director of foster care and adoption here in Houston for Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services. We're also visiting with Lisa Johnson, their development officer for the Houston region. Uh, Lisa, if somebody listening wants to get involved, how can they get involved? Absolutely, Rich. Um, we have a variety of support uh, throughout the Houston area, l- several partner churches that we work with, as well as donors um, and volunteers. Um, our donors really help us support the programs that we have. While w- our agency receives some state funding, it certainly doesn't cover everything that we are able to do for our clients. Um, so just do- monetary support is always needed. Um, and volunteers, um, just last night at our single parent family program over here in Houston, um, we had a group of volunteers from a local church um, provide our, our families Thanksgiving dinner. So volunteers can help in a variety of ways, supporting uh, our families, um, providing um, Bible study classes. Um, we do actually locally in St. John's, um, but also just, you know, helping out. Uh, we have our Angel Tree campaign going on now where donors and churches are helping us provide some gifts for our children. So it's really just trying to get those things organized so lots of different ways volunteers can help. And, um, of course, always support is always needed. So, And as of recording this conversation, it is November. It's National Adoption Month. That's ob- obviously something I know you want to, uh, would like to make people aware of. Yes, absolutely. November is National Adoption Month. Uh, and the other uh, thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Lisa, is, mm-hmm. is how big of a, uh, uh, of an enterprise are we talking about? How, how, can you give me a, a an idea as to, how many people you guys are assisting on a regular basis and, 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 um, you know, how widespread the, the services are across greater Houston? Sure. Um, obviously greater Houston, very large area. Um, you know, we travel, I know in my travels, just meeting donors and churches. I mean, I'm going, you know, a couple hours out from, you know, here in Houston and just visiting. Um, of course we serve, you know, families across Texas, Louisiana and Missouri. So, I mean, we are very far reaching. Um, in those regards. So I feel like it's important to also mention that we, we don't just serve the Houston community in adoption and foster care. We do have a single parent program 
And that is a set of duplexes for um, a parent who is struggling, is either on the verge of homelessness or who is, um, you know, trying to get away from domestic violence situations. So we have an awesome program there. And we also have a child and family program, and that is individual counselors and therapists who come into the home. So not related to our CPS work, um, but just related to more of that family preservation. They, they say if you have a child and you have a problem – Call us and we'll come out and we'll meet you in your home and help you solve that. Well, there are a lot of couples out there, I'm sure, and everybody's got their own reason, but that have considered adoption at some point. And I know you guys uh, have a number of programs available, uh, voluntary adoption, foster to adopt program. Can you talk about those a little bit and the differences in those programs? Sure. So the voluntary adoption, once again, is um, our you know list of waiting families who are seeking typically to adopt a newborn infant um, from a birth mother who's voluntarily placing. We have also worked with women who have been parenting older children for a period of time, and but who, who recognize that it's difficult and they want to place their child in adoption. Um, so it's not always infants, but oftentimes it's infants. Foster to adopt is um, you know, those are children who have an experience of abuse and neglect and trauma in their background. And so we're often in need of families who are ready to receive those children, um, ready to receive specialized training and to foster them um, until they perhaps become available for adoption. Uh, within that, we do have our kinship adoption program. And so what's really important is that when children come into the child protective system, oftentimes CPS is looking for relatives who the child already knows and has a relationship with um, to place with them. And if their birth parents, for whatever reason, cannot receive their children back, those relatives have the opportunity to, to adopt them as well. And so we work with a lot of grandpas, grandmas, aunts, uncles, um, you know, older siblings to help them become licensed as foster parents and ultimately adopt. Lisa, I don't know if we mentioned where the offices are, specifically if somebody wanted to come by and, and, and inquire about anything involving any of the programs or possibly volunteering, where can they do that? Absolutely. Here in Houston, our office is located at 7880 San Felipe, and we are in Suite 111. So they're welcome to come by anytime, Monday through Friday. Uh, we're winding it down a little bit. We've got a minute or two here, and I just want to ask each of you separately, is there anything else we haven't covered that you'd like to get out there to anyone wondering about Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services? Well, I think that we're a great organization here in this Houston area. And, um, you know, we cover, like we said, three states. Um, there are a lot of people who just really love the work they do. And so um, I know that clients, once they do reach our door, they, they really feel like they're receiving those one-on-one services. And, and that's important to us. We have a, a huge uh, burden of responsibility placed on our shoulders when we decide where to place children, right? And so getting that one-on-one care for us to really know our families, that's really important to us. Lisa and Rich at Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services. We just, you know, our philosophy is very family centered and strength focused and goal driven. And when we do this with our clients and when we do it well, you know, we really help our children and families find hope and know the love of God. So that's just really our main focus as well. That's Lisa Johnson uh, with uh, Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services, their development officer for Houston. We've also been joined by Michelle Hofker, program director of foster care and adoption. Ladies, y'all do great work. We wish you the best of luck. The website again, pchas.org. If you want to get involved with Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services, whether you want to take advantage of a program 
or help out or provide some financial assistance. You've been listening to Eye on Houston across the Intercom Radio Houston family. Thanks for joining us. Ladies, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you.